Welcome to Bald Move Television, the officially unofficial, I don't know how to do this as well as Aaron does, podcast for all of television. I'm your host, Cecily. I'm Alexis. And today we're talking about the first episode of HBO's His Dark Materials. We, um, if you're interested, we did a little bit of a preview podcast for this show by covering the 2007 version of the Golden Compass movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go check that out on Bald Movies and on the Bald Move TV feed. If you're listening, probably already heard it. <laughs> so, Alexis. Yes. Tell us what your experience with this uh, show, movie, franchise is. I first read the books right in the, I would say, the sweet spot for mm-hmm. reading these books, which is to say, I love this series. <laughs> yeah. I didn't understand anything about it the first time I read it. Mm-hmm. The broader religious stuff went right over my head. Mm-hmm. So it was really fun to come back as an adult and read all of the books again and also discover that, surprise, there are like four more books than <laughs> the yeah. last time I read the series. And I have also read all of those. So Those, um, like they did a prequel series that just came out recently? Yeah, right? so you have the original trilogy. There is a new trilogy coming out, but the mm-hmm. first book takes place, the first book of the mm-hmm. new trilogy yeah. takes place before the first trilogy. So Lyra is a baby in that book. Okay. And then the second book takes place after yeah. the original trilogy. All right. And the third will come after that, obviously. Interesting. And then there are some tie-in novellas. So there is, yeah, there's Once Upon a Time in the North, Mm -hmm. which is about how Lee Scoresby and Yorick Berenison, 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 Yorick Berenison, (laughs) Yorick Berenison meet for the first time. Okay. And there is one that, oh, I lied. I actually haven't read this one. Um, I think it's, it's Lyra doing scholarship stuff with the alethiometer or something. All right. As an adult? As a young adult, yeah. All right. Teenager. Uh, well, I have read just the first book, The Golden Compass. Mm-hmm. So that's fresh in my mind. We are going to do kind of like a Game of Thrones approach where we're bringing back the spoiler section at the end of the podcast. And I'll mark the timestamp in the show notes for everyone. But we are going to be talking about some light book spoilers It'll be a place where you'll, you will definitely get spoiled, so avoid it if you don't want to hear any of that. But we'll keep it out of our main recap. So yeah, let's get right into it. What did you think of the episode? So because I'm coming into it with so much prior knowledge, mm-hmm. and also, you know, I just love the series, so I'm a tiny bit biased. Um, I've, I loved it. I mm-hmm. thought it was great. I liked the visuals. The performances were wonderful. I Ruth Wilson, in particular, yeah. like really impressed me. Um. I was kind of in the group of people who thought maybe that's not the best casting just based on looks. But yeah. as soon as I saw that woman moving and acting, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm an idiot. And she's wonderful. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I, I thought it was great. What did you think? I liked it. I feel like I am with a lot of the critics out there. And it's just I feel like I am a mixed review. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I... I think some things were, I just kind of looked at with squinted eyes, like, uh, is there is there a problem here or am I just being too critical? But mostly I just, I, I like it. I like this world. The only thing I could ask more of is that they give us more demons. 
Mm -hmm. I feel like I needed a lot more demon time, but overall I liked it. Okay, some housekeeping. As has been the case for a while now, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. One big headliner, Jim Sess and I have launched an entirely new network dedicated to politics and lifestyle-related stuff. It's called Swizzbold, S-W-I-Z-Z-B-O-L-D. If you go to swizzbold.com, you can discover and preview our two flagship shows, Three Right Turns, a political podcast hosted by myself, and One Weird Trick, an advice show uh, podcast hosted by me and Cecily. If any of that sounds good, uh, head over to swizzbold.com and subscribe. Over on the Bald Move side, The Watchman is a show that needs a podcast if ever there were one. And that's what we do on We Do The Watchman podcast. Instant live takes and talk podcasts for club members on Sunday night with a full recap podcast. Uh, with a full analysis on Tuesdays. We also have Pickle Me This. It's an exciting time. Uh, We're wrapping up our season three uh, this week with two episodes releasing for uh, episode nine and 10 of season three because season four begins next week and we'll be ready for it. Uh, If you are excited about season four, please join us on Pickle Me This. Our podcast, 2-Bit Encryption, we are busy decoding USA's Mr. Robot each and every week. We had a truly silent night. This past Sunday, with a full hour-long episode, zero spoken dialogue. What does it all mean? Find out. Our full episode recaps drop every Wednesday. American Horror Story Podcast Season 9, the 1984 podcast, comes out every Friday morning. Cecily and I are in a post-Halloween sprint to end the season. There's only two more episodes to go. Check that out on the American Horror Story Podcast. And on This Week in Bald Movies, we've got Dr. Sleep, which is the follow-up to Stephen King's The Shining. Uh, In the weeks to come, we've got Ford vs. Ferrari, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and eventually in December, Star Wars Episode 9. Check it out on Bald Movies. So that's what's going on here at baldmove.com. If any of that sounds interesting, head over to baldmove.com or search for the podcast name wherever you listen to podcasts to subscribe. So episode is titled Lyra's Jordan. And uh, right up front here, they give us this exposition via text cards telling us that The story starts in another world, one very much like your own, where a human soul is a demon. That relationship is sacred, and the world has been controlled for centuries by the Magisterium and the Witches in the North, whisper of a prophecy of a child. Uh, I feel like I could have done without this. (laughs) I I feel like throughout the rest of the episode, all of that is kind of explained, Mm -hmm. if not just shown to us. Yeah. Okay. That's Uh, interesting. I, I... Saw a couple of other reviews that mentioned that too. I believe Nerdist. That was their oh, really? biggest problem with it. Yeah, it was that upfront. They also felt like it didn't need it. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like, yeah, throughout. I mean, just like the magisterium scene where you see the vastness of this church and the master and the librarian whispering about the prophecy and just the demons behaving themselves. Or I mean, their behavior around the children. Mm-hmm. And the things they say about them, like Lyra and Roger's conversation in the crypts. Yeah. That, I don't know. It's all there. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I was kind of curious because there is so much stuff about this world that needs to be explained. Yeah. I don't know if maybe including that at the beginning was kind of nice as like, this is one thing you don't have to figure out. So this here's this up front. Yeah. But yeah, mentioning the prophecy... Eh, maybe not the best thing in the world, especially because, like you said, they say it at the end of the damn episode. So yeah. What are you even doing? Um, 
So we open on the Great Flood in Oxford. A uh, very biblical biblical flood here. Mm-hmm. Um, Asriel and his demon Stelmaria, a snow leopard, are walking, are delivering Lyra as a baby mm-hmm. through the floodwaters to the Jordan College under Scholasterlic Sanctuary. I don't think that's a word. <laughs> well, it <laughs> is now. Uh, if you deliver it with the tenacity that Lord Asriel does, you can do anything you want. Yeah, you have to say it loud and with a lot of, um, what's this, uh, a lot of diaphragm usage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, this is a scene from the first book of the new trilogy. It's f- oh, yeah? t- from the end of the first book of the new trilogy. Yeah. Okay. Um, La Belle Sauvage. Ah. So, uh, don't answer this. I'm wondering if Lord Asriel knows of the prophecy are we to assume that he does because they just told us before he delivered the baby i guess i don't know i'm wondering if that's why he delivered the baby at that time or how he got to have the baby during the flood did lyra's parents die in the flood in an airship i don't know all good questions i know i know all the answers to this (laughs) don't tell us i'll keep quiet (laughs) for now so also got to question his baby delivery method here because that baby's butt is directly in the water, <laughs> like full diaper city. That's a rashy butt for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So this is uh, this is when I really wanted. I thought it was really cute. That baby's adorable, of course. Mm-hmm. The master takes his baby and he's like, "What? Am, what the hell am I going to do with this?" <laughs> and he says, "This is Lyra." Asriel delivers her and says, "This is Lyra and Pantaliman." And I was like desperately searching every corner of the screen, like, show me that baby demon, show me that baby <laughs> demon. Uh, and peels back the blanket and shows that he really favors this, uh, what do you call it? Or this ermine form, mm-hmm. like ferret, weasel type of animals. Yeah. Um, ever since he was a baby. Also makes me wonder do, do the parents name the demons too? I wondered that too. I think I might have mentioned something about that in our Golden Compass podcast. Because the, the demons all have very different, unique names. Mm-hmm. Make it seem like the demons name themselves or something. I don't know. That can't well, be possible. Yes, but I will say I don't think this is a spoiler. Um, in the first book of the new trilogy, it explores baby demons because it has uh-huh. to because Lyra is a baby. Yeah. And they don't speak. They're okay. just, they're the same, they're at the sta- same stage of development as the human that they are, you know, the soul of, mm-hmm. of course. So yeah, I guess the parents named the demons and that's kind of messed up, but I guess it's not any more messed up than them naming us. Right. If your My name is, is your... Cecily. Right. <laughs> My name's Alexis. I can barely even say it. What the heck? 12 years later, we see little baby Lyra is now grown ass Lyra. She's... Uh, she's pretty big for 12, I feel like. I, I believe she's just... God, I hate I hate that I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say it. She's sturdy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she's the kind of heroine that you believe is going to, uh, you know, survive a lot of adventures. I really enjoy how rough and tumble she is. Mm-hmm. She's not afraid to, like, further on in the episode, we'll see her duck down beneath a window and yeah. she just like commits to it she is full like face almost on the roof tiles yeah and right. she totally sells it 
Yeah, sliding yeah. down the roof. This girl is mm-hmm. filthy. So <laughs> it's kind of a dirt baby. <laughs> she's a she's a good Lyra, I think. I think so too. Um, so Pantaliman is a male demon, mm-hmm. and Salcilia is a female demon of Rogers. We see them here. Right. Um, I think demons are all demons always the opposite sex of. The person? Almost always. Because I think the only one I saw that had like a same sex demon was the master. I believe his raven was. No, she that was a woman. No? Okay. Yeah, the husky voice woman, but a woman. Yeah, it's a good raven voice. A female, I guess. <laughs> All right, so they're always uh, opposite um, sex. Almost always. Almost always. Yeah, it's. Prove it. I don't know. <laughs> there are references in the books to like a throwaway references to someone whose demon is the same gender, and there's kind of like. Oh, they might be mm-hmm. non-heteronormative, mm-hmm. but you, they don't go into that. That's a, it's a failing of the world building, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to focus so much on the binary, but anywho. Uh, yeah, and they can, so they have this foot race through the college, and we get to see and just explore the space where they run around and play. It's a really effective way to kind of show it all. It really is, especially because... That when they revisit it later, when Roger is missing, you just you feel very grounded and you feel like she's really checked everywhere, and it's just the emptiness and the vastness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also see an older looking master who's still looking after her. Uh, her and Roger end up in the crypts, which I'm going to assume are just wrecked by time and the flood that went through there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of just open bones, which Lyra <laughs> uses to spook Roger. Of course um, she does. And they talk about whether, what they want their demons to settle on and if they will settle at all mm-hmm. and drink on it. So they're talking about what they want it to, what they want their demons to settle on. And I think this is a way to introduce us to the concept that children's change and mm-hmm. adults, uh, do have a set demon and sometime in between childhood and adulthood where oh we see tony later kind of like puberty time their Mm -hmm. demons settle yeah um and they don't get to control what the animal is going to be Uh, i thought it was interesting that there's definitely a difference between real animals and demon animals Mm -hmm. because people still people still eat meat in this world um yeah it's it's explained that you kind of just know mm-hmm. hand wave you just know a demon is a demon yeah the proximity to people probably helps like hmm, yeah it's really weird that there's a snow leopard just following this guy around <laughs> let's eat it <laughs> oh god uh the predator meat does not taste good <laughs> yeah and then they uh they drink a bottle of something clear brandy or something like that maybe mm-hmm. uh I will say that that is straight out of the books, and I liked I like seeing that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so the next scene, Lord Asriel is in the north, photographing the aurora borealis or the northern lights, um, and he and a snow leopard climb back down the mountain. Very convenient demon form there mm-hmm. for this particular adventure. Uh, and he goes back to a secret lair <laughs> in the side of the mountain. Which who doesn't want one of those? I want one of those. It seems. Very 
I like solitude. That yeah. seems pretty good to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he has a, uh, he has a man, <laughs> a manservant, <laughs> I guess I would call him. Yeah. Uh, he's credited as Thorold, although, Thorold. although I don't think we ever actually hear his name. Yeah. Uh, I think he yells it out here in the scene. Yeah. Um, so he helps him. This guy, Thorold is from, I recognize him from the Outlander series. Which I just recently watched, so that was fun. It's also in Gangs of New York. I oh, think. and I probably nobody cares about this, but me. But Billy Elliot, the movie. He's I love the dad. that movie. He's the dad. Huh. All right. He's been around for a while. Yes. Uh, so they develop some photos, which we will see later, and they pack up ahead to head south. <laughs> you see what I did there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not much to talk about here, I guess. Um, then we see the opening credits. What yeah. did you think? Oh, oh, I loved it. Uh-huh. I don't know that I'm completely sold on the score yet, but the visuals yeah. were wonderful and they made me cry a little bit because yeah. it's always cool to see a series that you really loved as a kid and that uh-huh. has had, you know, some kind of, I wouldn't say it was formative or anything, but the stuff that you read as a kid definitely sticks with you yeah and to see that kind of get the hbo treatment mm-hmm. that was definitely like <laughs> wiping my eyes a little bit to see it come to life yeah <laughs> yeah uh yeah it was really powerful imagery showing you know like i said lyra in uh there's one scene where lyra's like in these frames that are expanding oh, I love that. yeah and then just, you just kind of zoom back on that yeah, yeah standing tall against something um, and then there's like an MC Escher type of staircase flip that I loved. It was, and Will. Yeah. it was really good. Yep. And uh, uh, all the, the layers of worlds, the layer cake yeah. of universes. Very cool. Yeah. And you can see, I still don't understand. And I think it's the biggest question that we're going to have until the end of the season, maybe series. I don't know. Until the end of the season, I would say. Yeah. Of what dust is. And you kind yeah. of get an oh, idea. No, okay of in the opening credits you know you see it forming a bone and the alethiometer and other things like that so it just makes it makes up the world and that's all we know mm-hmm. um or assume <laughs> we assume it's part of everything yeah we can see it but we're still making assumptions uh so we go to the librarian teaching lyra <laughs> attempting one-on-one. to teach lyra <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's Who- carving her name into the table like an inmate (laughs) i love it and she's i mean maybe he's taught other people i mean they're all scholars i don't know that they're all really teachers i think i think the college is a place for people to share knowledge not teach each other or especially jordan college is like the head of all of the colleges yeah they do teach but they teach you know adults okay (laughs) not so much 12 year olds yeah so i love that she I have to assume that she did all of the carvings on that test. Absolutely. Absolutely. She did. Uh, And we see here that her last name is Balakwa. Um, So (laughs) one, the librarian is played by one of many Game of Thrones alumni Mm -hmm. that are going to pop up. Uh, This is the same guy that played Kevin Lannister. Um, He has a gecko or a salamander or a lizard, whatever word you call it. I think it's a gecko. Yeah, a gecko named Serena, which I love that helps him find (laughs) books. Um, And 
she Lyra tricks him out of the room and locks him out for some reason to sneak out of the window, which pretty shitty. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, just kids don't give a shit. Uh, this kid definitely does. <laughs> yeah. The oh, so she sees Azrael arrive and she runs across the rooftops to get to the retiring room. Um, and during this scene, the master collects the alethiometer as his crow tells him that, uh, it is time, time for the poisoning and to give her the alethiometer, I guess. Yeah. And the, uh, the book that is on the desk is one of the, like, there are like five different books that kind of explain the alethiometer and it is open to the page Ooh. of the bird uh-huh. symbol. And I looked it up, and a bird's on the alethiometer, it's, it's a representation of demons. Huh. Demons and spring and marriage are the meanings of that, apparently. Holy shit, you can read the alethiometer? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> really buried the lead here. <laughs> <laughs> well, the internet can read the alethiometer, and I can read the internet, therefore uh, I can read the alethiometer. So was it saying anything in that scene? I don't know if it was or not. Okay. I, that's why I looked it up. I was kind of curious if it was, if there was some other meaning, but huh. if there was, it has not become clear quite yet. I just know that based on my reading. <laughs> I like it. That's what that means. Uh, so then we go to the butler bringing in a decanted 1938 Takai. Takai? Takai. Which I desperately <laughs> wanted to get a bottle of for this recording, yeah. but I would have had to drive for an hour and I didn't want to do that <laughs> next <Sorry>. time <laughs> um, so the master comes in and pours poison into the wine and very reluctantly I will, I yeah. will say his, his, his hands are shaking very badly yeah. so we can tell he doesn't want to do it mm-hmm. and also uh, he has definitely mixed something up in a bottle before he has definitely shaken a bottle before Hell that yeah, wasn't awkward was. at all Yeah, <laughs> it was, was kind of awkward <laughs> I was worried that glass stopper doesn't seem like a very good seal. I was worried it was going to splash. Uh, yeah, I think it's more of a dust seal than an actual liquid seal. Dust? Oh, dust? Dust? What does dust? it mean? Dust. Uh, so Asriel <laughs> arrives in the retiring room. So uh, leading up to this, when he's walking outside, he looks up at the rooftop and you see him kind of glance out the window. I think he knows she's there the whole oh, time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Plus his, his demon is a cat. You know, she can hear yeah. a mouse fart two miles away. So. <laughs> especially here a sturdy sturdy little girl running across the tin roof i would say so yeah uh so he goes to take a drink and she slaps it out of his hand and (laughs) and he destroys the bottle um he hides her and tells her to spy on the master but Mm -hmm. i mean clearly here he just wants her to observe everything that's happening yeah he and we get to maybe see a little bit of his nature like Mm -hmm. a glimpse of maybe the darker side of his nature here where he is just he's using her like that's all it is this isn't for her this is for him so he can see why this might have happened i have i don't know why i have a whole paragraph here about what tokai is where it comes from (laughs) it's very specific wine it is a hungarian fortified white wine huh um, it's made from a type of grape that the uh, the skin becomes transparent uh-huh. as it ripens, so more sun gets in, which evaporates more of the water, which means uh-huh. you have a much sweeter grape. Huh. Apparently, this stuff is like 
super sweet and really? it's really weird that this would be Azrael's favorite thing <laughs> i i looked it up because i thought maybe it would be like a cognac or something mm-hmm. like still wine based but maybe right not candy basically wine candy it's interesting interesting that has nothing to do with anything though anything. no it's a lot like transparent grape skin is a lot like the the special emulsion that he uses to develop photos to yeah. see dust. There's also a noble rot element. Noble rot? Yeah, that's whenever you... It's a certain kind of fungus that can form on grapes if you leave them on the vine, like, maybe a little bit longer mm-hmm. than you traditionally would for just, like, eating grapes. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it makes it even sweeter because it, it uh, pierces the skin of the grapes so even more of the water gets out yeah. and leaves behind sugar. I'm sorry. I'm a no. I love it. Noble rot. I've never <laughs> heard that term before. It's my new favorite thing. Anywho, Stella Maria has <laughs> uh, the sexiest voice I've ever heard. Yeah, in she my life. is. Oh my god, so smoky. I love it's it. So good. So um, uh, he is such a dick. It's been a year <laughs> since they've seen each other, and Helen he's McCrory. just threatens to break her arm. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Uh, she bangs can, her head on the table. Yeah, yeah. totally normal reaction. I, I don't. I don't know what his problem is, but he doesn't have time for her. Spends too much time in the north. I still, think. clearly wants to show her something. Uh, wants I don't to know. show off. I think maybe it's to do with that secret prophecy. I don't know. Mm, maybe. <laughs> um. So the master is tells everyone to be quiet and keep this quiet, especially from the magisterium. <laughs> so that there's no channel for gossip, rumors, and dangerous controversy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My second favorite word today. That was good. Uh, so, and I also love this shot of this guy with a mustache go, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. What? Why was that necessary? <laughs> That's my favorite scene of this show. <laughs> um, and they introduce Asriel who tells us that he set out 12 months ago to find out what happened to this lost Grumman expedition. Uh, and he found out uh, he l- took photograms with standard silver nitrate and then also with his special emulsion. And gentlemen, it is dust. Dust, dust, dust. Exactly. <laughs> 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 I love that. Uh, heresy uh, of the highest order. So, uh-huh. and also like, thanks for explaining how <laughs> photography works, dude. Um, so you can see in the photograph that there is a figure of a man that's visible through dust, but children do not attract dust. And given the nature of dust is precisely the point. Is it not? I mean, is it not? I have no idea. <laughs> yep. We don't know yet. Based on what uh, happens in this episode. We do or are led to believe that adults are surrounded and consumed by dust. And he also took a photogram of the aurora and reveals a city in the sky. There's a whole dang city up there. How does that happen? Secret dust city. Crazy. Um, Which the opening credits already told us there were other worlds, so we Mm -hmm. were prepared. Yeah. Uh, He found uh, Grumman's head and brought it back. I'm wondering if he fought, or if he fought, if he found the entire body and <laughs> just took the head. Yeah, and also like, wow, what a grueling process to right. detach a very frozen head from a very frozen body. Yeah, there were saws involved. 
That's not nice to think about. <laughs> or ice picks and just chip away at it. Oh, I don't know. dang. <laughs> I went to a worse place. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You took it. You took it to a worse place. Um. So, you know, he's fighting for true academic freedom. I guess. But I, I think mostly he just wants more funding. Yeah. So he can go keep playing in the well, North. <laughs> James McAvoy is doing is... Uh, you know what I kept thinking of? It's He's delivering everything with the same energy that you would uh, do a stage production of Shakespeare. Accurate. Yeah. I love it. I mean, it's very, based on what I know of this character, it's very befitting. Uh-huh. I appreciate it, for sure. Yeah, he's, we just don't, we don't know what to think. This, this show tells you, it, it's very, it does a very good job of, you know, like uh what's his name says later keeping your own counsel reminding you to keep your own counsel because the people we're introduced to that we think should be good for lyra like lord asriel is her uncle mm-hmm. is such a huge jerk someone wants to poison him but we're supposed to trust the master why would the master want to poison him yeah and miss coulter seems like she could be a great role model for lyra but she's also got this kind of evil to her that we don't really understand yet mm-hmm. you know because it's got the evil theme plays anytime you see her on screen so there's something kind of sinister to her too um it's definitely playing with your expectations of how people should be and also it leaves you thinking like if she literally can't trust anyone around her then like who the hell is she going to be able to trust Right. How is she going to get anything done? But she's going to be the betrayer, and we're not supposed to trust her. So. Yeah, I like that line. That's uh, a little later. Yeah. So we go to the Egyptians. Yeah, we cut to the Egyptian settling ceremony. Yeah. Is this is this a thing that was in the books? Nope. Okay. Um, it's, I'm confused about why they all the town has to donate their silver to form a ring how many children are they if how much silver does everyone have if everyone has that much silver why don't you just use your own silver maybe it's just symptomatic of also is that not a word uh i was i am a former jeweler and Uh. i can tell you that it does not take that much silver to make a ring of that size (laughs) like two families maybe could have donated silver it would take like i don't know four coins to make that ring yeah but I love it. It's Anywho. it's it's got a really great feel of, you know, togetherness and community and it does. I it, it feels also though like they are trying to explain a lot of Egyptian culture just kind of in this scene. Yeah. And also like by introducing all of this the celebration of demons uh-huh. or whatever, making it very specific to this world, it's almost like they could be trying to separate Egyptians from Roma culture, which, yeah. I mean, it's right there in the name. There, it seems like maybe that's what they are supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and I have mixed feelings about that. Yeah. Because in some ways, I appreciate it because you're not like reinforcing bad stereotypes of Roma people. Yeah. But could it be considered erasure too? Because they are so clear. They kept so many other things of Roma culture, like. The wandering and uh, being a very close knit family of misfits. Right. That whole that whole thing. It's interesting. Yeah. I wish that they could have just used a different word. 
they had the freedom to. They I agree. Could just use a different word. Just a different word. Then maybe that's erasure too. I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah, like it's, wo- it's 1995 woke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not yeah. quite gypsy, but right. Also, like, could they have hired some Romani actors instead of just, you know, being most of the main characters are white except for Lord Fa. Yeah, I like that Lord Fa. Uh, another game of Thrones. We'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I wish that they had done, they just had made up their own sort of ceremony for this instead of mixing up, you know, the concept of godfather, uh, you know, godparent type of relationship and getting down on one knee and putting the ring on. She put it on his left ring finger, which is, which already means something. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you get married later in life, do you switch it? Are you married to that demon? Do you get, wear rings in this culture? You're forced to wear stackable rings in this culture. Yeah. And so some poor jeweler has to <laughs> custom fit a band to that original ring. Ugh, what a nightmare. It is It is the so ring finger. Do people get married in Egyptian culture? I have questions. I, I have so many questions. These are good questions, and I have a strong feeling that 90% of them are not going to be answered. This one, I feel like they maybe don't get married in their culture. And also, is Benjamin de Reuter Billy and Tony's father? I don't know. Uh, it seems like they have, it seems like they were already pretty close. You know, obviously, they had predetermined that Sura and Benjamin de Reuter. Uh, I, I love it when people go by their full names, mm-hmm. <laughs> just randomly. Uh, Benjamin de Reuter is very invested in this search, which, of course, it's a family or, you know, one of your friends. Of course, you would be, but mm-hmm. um, also being the godfather here. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, the kids are not white enough to be all her DNA. <laughs> sure. Uh, so maybe it's just a question I have. Yep. Is an interesting question. But at the end of the scene, we get to see that it is... An incredibly bad idea to be a kid alone in this city. Who the fuck? How? Because he gets gobbered. He gets gobbered right in his face. He gets gobbered right up. Yep. Who just, like, leaves a party to wander down a lonely street? Eight-year-olds. I don't know. He seems pretty young. This this boy is heartbreakingly cute. He is very he cute. He is devastatingly cute. Yeah. And I loved also the um, the actor who is playing his mother... Ma Costa. Ma Costa. Yeah. She like keeps having to move him toward the front of the <laughs> yeah. scene because he kept wandering in the back and it's, that was cute. Yeah. Obviously not intentional, but very adorable to watch. Yeah. So. But yeah, he gets gotten. Yeah. Even more heartbreaking when he gets snatched mm-hmm. just as his brother's last memories of him will be that he didn't love him enough and he was complaining about him. Yeah. So a little extra spice on that one. <laughs> Uh, we go to Azriel and Stelmaria in the retiring room, cleaning up, and they finally remember Lyra's yeah, in the Stelmaria, walls. Yeah, <laughs> acting as we get to see throughout this episode, and I'm sure throughout the series, we're going to see people's demons acting as their consciences, mm-hmm. basically. So it's more of that, this is part of your soul kind of thing. Yeah. Because yes, she has to remind him, hey, ding dong, your uh, niece or whatever is in the chest. <laughs> Um, 
So he carries her to room and this or carries her to a room. And this is how I know that he's a monster. He puts her in the bed backwards. I, he puts her dirty ass shoes on her pillow. A weird choice. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, I get it. He's he already was carrying her in that configuration. Mm-hmm. It's it's if you've ever carried a child and put them in bed, it's you can't flip them around while they're in your arms right. like that, especially yeah. if one is sturdy as she is. I'm going to keep saying it. But also this is this is that weird like, yeah, he's her uncle, but he's not a very good caregiver. No. Yeah. Definitely not. No parental instincts in him at all. He goes to, he starts trying to tug off her boots and then he's like, fuck it. What am I doing? I don't, this isn't me. I've already and put them that, on the pillow. Of course, is when, she, <laughs> when she fakes being asleep. Yeah. And he's like, oh, now you wake up. Damn it. Um, so when he's put her, putting her in bed, he can see that she's drawn maps on the wall with chipped away paint and that she does. And she's and got she his saved postcards his postcards. Here. Yeah. Um, kind of obsessed with him a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's the only person you have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the postcard kind of cool. showing that she's stolen Egyptian boat before. <laughs> Straight out yeah. of the books also. Love it. Uh-huh. Um, and she asks him some very important questions, such as, what is dust? How do we know we can trust the master? Um, can I see that man's head? And <laughs> will you take me north with you? Yeah. Uh, and he just... Shuts her down pretty hard. It's giving a really nuanced performance. I don't know if they're like trying to maybe redeem his character a little bit from how he ends up being in the books or if it's just explaining him a little bit more. Maybe yeah. it's a bit of column A, a bit of column B. Yeah. So I got to But then he slams the door on her. So <laughs> yeah. uh and then we see the master and the librarian. Mm-hmm discussing how they never wanted to murder anyone and the balance of Jordan College is at stake. Because if Azrael continues his research, there will be appalling consequences and controversy. <laughs> yeah, I think what he's trying to get at is that the Magisterium is probably going to try to take over the college. Oh, if yeah. If the college keeps... Scholastic sanctuary no more. Yep. Uh, radical. But importantly, she needs to fulfill her destiny by not knowing what it is and staying innocent. Um, and he can read the alethiometer and it's saying that she must be allowed to go and she will also be the betrayer. Mm-hmm. Um, That's some nice foreshadowing. Yeah. If you know, if you've read further in the series. Like yeah. I and I was also prepared by those opening credits. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I didn't mention a betrayal. That's true. In the opening credits. That's true. This is pretty good. Um, I'm very interested to see how they portray everything that happens in the subtle knife yeah just the next book the okay so we go to roger bringing lyra breakfast in her room and she tells roger about dust and being in the cupboard overnight or the night before can we talk about them literally chewing the scenery yeah <laughs> <laughs> so cute i know oh that kid's adorable roger they really are yeah that's uh, perfect for his character yeah, I like this friendship. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, their kids are selling it, so you're really invested. Yeah. And again, extra heartbreaking when Roger gets gobbled up himself. I assume that's what happened at the end. We'll talk I, about it. He's in, a, he's in a cage and he's crying, so yeah, probably there's some whistling <laughs> happening. Yeah. So on and so forth. Um, so he tells her two important things. Billy Costa was taken by a singing man with bright eyes or... 
a singing man with a fox demon. Mm-hmm. And second, that Asriel is leaving. And Lyra uh, has no impulse control, so she is off like a bullet from a gun. Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah. So they run to the airship. And Azriel says he has to leave because the Magisterium is going to come for him. He wasn't even going to say goodbye. Yeah. <sighs> it's trash. Absolutely. Um, and he says, I'm sorry, but I just don't have time for you right now. And that the North is no place for a child. So as he's going to leave, she asks if that airship looked like the one that her parents died on. And he says that it was smaller. <laughs> what and a brutal thing to say. I know. And she runs away. Roger says, she's better than you think she is. She's special. And he says, everyone's special in a way that didn't make me feel very special. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, I don't think it was meant to. I really like that line. I wrote it down here. Yeah. That was, that was a nice addition. Yeah. Them Um, yelling at each other. So good. And Pan is the cutest thing on the planet whenever he's comforting Lyra Mm -hmm. in his little white there or whatever it is form so cute so cute so cute i love it yeah um i also love that there's maybe three scholars or man servants three guys just watching all this happen just standing there yep i love it what must they be thinking like why is this guy being so cruel to these children Uh, yeah like wow what a dick we just gave him money yeah but i guess if they're they're servants there then they are used to seeing him do it every year for 12 years they're probably used to seeing a lot of powerful people be complete douchebags Mm -hmm. yeah we go to what must be the ground base camp of the egyptians god does it feel it feels weird saying that word like i'm using a slur (laughs) yeah i don't like saying it either um and Lord Fa arrives and he makes an entrance. He's got this badass cane and this hat and this bird. And just the way he carries himself, he's he he's cool. He's a cool customer. Yeah, he was cool in Game of Thrones too, as Salador San. Another Game of Thrones person. Mm-hmm. Um so Benjamin DeRoyter, which seems to be leading up this search i gotta say when they introduced him i thought for sure that they called him benjamin the writer oh i was so confused it would make more sense that up for me (laughs) like he and york baron's baronson go by their full names most of the time is is there another benjamin and york in the story that they're getting confused with i don't know i love it I mean, it just has as much impact as someone who just goes by their first name all the time, like Cher or Madonna. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, It's a statement. So we meet uh, Lord Fa, Farter Corum, and uh, we don't get it. I don't think we get his name. but Lord Mormont. Sorry. Go on. Yeah. Another Game of Thrones person. Yep. And uh, someone, I actually don't know what his name is in this scene, but he is Matt Frazier. And anyone who listens to our American Horror Story podcast or watch the show itself will recognize him from there, from I think it was season four Freak Show. Um, so it's nice to see him again. Mm-hmm. I He's got a ton of tattoos in real life. So it's they did nice work covering all of them up because <laughs> you can even tell. Um, hmm. He has so many tattoos. Maybe they were just painted on. But in the Freak Show season his name was paul the illustrated seal oh because he had so many tattoos cool um (laughs) yeah american horror story not 
uh, yeah, I'm not even going to get into it. <laughs> Listen to the podcast. It's happening right now. <laughs> uh, so they don't know. <laughs> they try to explain that gobblers are all too real mm-hmm. and that they are going to leave for London to search for Billy some more because most certainly they are going there. I don't really know why everyone thinks that. Yeah, I. so I don't actually, I don't know the geography of England very well, but I, I get the impression that Oxford, which is the city that they're in right now, is really close to London. It, like London is kind of the hub city for all these smaller towns, so maybe they think that that would be the first logical stop before going right. somewhere else. Uh, but yeah. it's not very clear. Uh, yeah, they they try to say, like, Miss Coulter later says that they are, that people just disappear in London. But they've already disappeared from Oxford, so why do they need to go to another city to disappear more? Like, they're yeah. not finding Billy right now. Yeah, In I... fact, <laughs> if everyone assumes that they're going to London, then it'll be easier to find, right? <laughs> Maybe you disappear less there. <laughs> London's a much bigger city. There are way more people in London. Uh, all right. Well, we just need a reason for the Egyptians and Lyra to be in London at the same time. Basically, yeah. Um, Which I'm really glad, actually, that the Egyptians are getting to have their own story before Lyra gets in trouble, mm-hmm. gets in big trouble. It feels a little bit more respectful to. This group of characters. Yeah. So they're not just, you know, minorities having to respond to a white savior, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> kind of character. Um, so Lyra talks to Roger about how she knows they're going to go north. She can just feel it. And um, she makes some shadow puppets on the wall. Over Svalbard. Yeah. Which yeah. is, I guess, foreshadowing. Yeah. Daydreaming. Mm-hmm. It's a cute scene. We go to the Magisterium where we meet Boreal. Lord and- Boreal. Yep. Is this Fra Pavel? No, it's Father McPhail. <laughs> I know. I'm the McFailure here. <laughs> um, they are discussing Asriel's revelations in the hidden city. And Boreal is doing this. He's got this Idris Elba energy to him. Absolutely. Where, I was thinking that. Yeah, he can do this like sleepy-eyed menace. Mm-hmm. Like just passive menace. But also like just incredibly sexy the whole time yeah. he's doing it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. This guy. Woo. Um, yeah, I love the uh, the visual choices that they made for the Magisterium. Yeah. Because it's like... It's a fucking megachurch. It's decadently austere. Mm-hmm. Everything is so like smooth and polished, but also there's so much of it and it's so tall. It's mm-hmm. perfect, yeah. I think. I like it so much. I love this symbol that they came up with too that's everywhere. We don't see it in this scene, but his demon is a snake. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> expect many dick jokes to come. Uh, they are talking about how a scholastic sanctuary cannot protect you from heresy. So they are definitely aware of what Asriel's doing. Yep. Uh, someone did not keep it quiet from the magisterium. Uh, I believe <laughs> they mentioned that they had a spy in the room. Yeah. When he was giving his, when he was trying to get funding. Yeah, I wonder yeah. who it was. Maybe it was the dude who they focused in on who was like, Exactly. For sure. He's the spy. God damn it, I liked him so much earlier. Everybody's trash, turns out. You know, it really makes you question your relationship with people. So this will be, any news will be taken straight to the cardinal 
and they're not to tell anyone and none of their mutual friends including her Mm -hmm. so we do a smash cut to miss coulter making a dramatic entrance assuming she's got to be the her that they're not telling yep um her bearing is wonderful i yes. love everything about her portrayal of this character it's so good uh, yeah i wrote down that she's beautiful and intimidating in both silhouette and mannerism mm-hmm. like the way she's dressed is incredible her hair uh yeah she's good she y- makes full use of the double doors and i gotta say anytime you come across a set of double doors opening them both at the same time is you have to it's so good yeah it's so good <laughs> so satisfying yeah um so she goes to dinner and it seems like the way she's kind of side-eyeing people as she walks makes me think that they're like less rushing to dinner and more rushing away from her (laughs) you know like cockroaches scurrying to get out of her path right um so she sits at the head table next to lyra who she may be of some interest to and lyra is just immediately enthralled with her Mm mm-hmm um she's probably the most interesting woman that she's gotten to meet right interesting the only female scholar yeah and Mm -hmm. beautiful and smart and she humbles herself in front of lyra and really connects with her um we've and she just freezes roger out immediately (laughs) she's she's doing this thing where you know with her eyes she kind of just bewitches you in a way you know she really draws you in and keeps you there yeah, I think, so we've discussed before on the Golden Compass podcast, like, does Mrs. Coulter have, you know, some kind of witchy something to her where yeah. she actually casts spells on people, but my impression is that her power is all in her, like, very careful act mm-hmm. and her bearing. Like, she has incredible insight into people's motivations, and we see her using that perception throughout this entire episode, mm-hmm. and, spoiler, like, throughout the series, she will do this just to twist people into doing what she wants them to do yeah like she she knows what they want and she gives it to them to an extent to get what she wants yeah and it's like her entire her whole everything is about that yeah every time we see her on screen she's got she's got power power we see that she has a golden monkey as her demon. Mm-hmm. We so see it. horrible. So hate its little face. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, we just see it briefly, and I'm not going to say that her that Miss uh, Ruth Wilson is not enough, but I just wish I had. You know, as a demon being part of your soul, it's they are almost as much a star as the person themselves in the mm-hmm. sh- show, which must why it's so hard to adapt um but yeah i just wish i had more monkey time <laughs> monkey shines to uh, be fair i i get the idea that the monkey is it's almost how she is so perceptive when it comes to people like her monkey is so still and quiet that you almost forget he's there yeah so you don't remember that he's watching everything yeah all the time always watching <laughs> this terrible monkey i don't like this monkey <laughs> Um, she, she is a female scholar mm-hmm. and she is from St. Sophia's college and, uh, she knows about Lyra's rooftop travels. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to imagine that she, that tells us that she is as observant 
uh, and quick-witted as Lord Asriel because she probably just saw her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she's not like all of these old, slow scholars that don't look around them anymore. Right. Um, so you can see where Lyra kind of could see herself being like Miss Coulter. Mm-hmm. You know, there's... You can't have it all. <laughs> right. So they do the old walk and talk and she knows Uncle Asriel because they bump into each other from time to time. That means they fuck in the <laughs> north. <laughs> Potentially, yes. <laughs> gotta, gotta. Um, so she is an explorer of a type. She's not quite an explorer. She's not quite a scholar. She says, um, and she's negotiated with bears and fought with tartars. And her favorite moment is the unbroken morning of the, in the north. Which is cool. Whenever it snows in your yard, I love to see just this fresh, untouched snow. Yeah, it's like pristine wilderness uh, looking situation. Yeah, sounds amazing. Yeah. You know, just got Ly- Lyra basically drooling over going to the north. N- not that she needed to do all that much. Lyra was already kind of <laughs> <Right>. north crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the master, I-, I questioned this at first, but it was it was confirmed a little bit later. But the master did say that he wanted... Lyra to go with Miss Coulter. Mm-hmm. Um, so she offers her a position as her assistant and she wants to bring Roger and Miss um, Coulter agrees. You can see the master like kind of nodding to himself in the background of the mm-hmm. scene as they're talking like, all right, they're getting along. Yeah. Uh, so she does it when they're at dinner and then she does it again in her room when she brings up Roger again. But mm-hmm. you can see her eyes just like widen you know very very slightly almost imperceptibly every time roger is mentioned which makes you wonder if she had anything to do with roger <laughs> in the van at the end <clears throat> uh but lyra and pan are discussing we're talking about roger going with them mm-hmm. and she she wants to wait until the next day. It's still daylight. Mm-hmm. She wants to wait until the next day to tell roger that he's going to leave forever. Yeah, you don't. Get, I know that yeah, you didn't pack weird. a fucking thing to come to London, <laughs> but Ly- Roger might want to. <laughs> yeah, he seems like he might be a tiny bit more practical than you. Yeah. yeah. Um. Or maybe yeah, I don't know. Uh, but she doesn't. Yeah, and then we so cut to Roger gets gobbled too. Yep, he's <laughs> in the, so, you know, in the back rooms or something of the college, doing just finishing up his duties. Yeah, and we start hearing that whistling. Yeah, and, and you see, see that the awful demon. What is it? A fox with like fox. yellow eyes? Yeah, it's kind of like a, almost like a deserty fox kind of yeah. thing. I don't know. It's weird. the The ears are an interesting proportion. Yeah, to his face. But um, it's creepy. But yeah, he's gone. Bye, Roger. Bye, no more Roger. So then we get uh, just a quick scene of Tony comforting his mother mm-hmm. on the boot. Um, then the next day. The librarian <laughs> very politely enters Lyra's room <laughs> and urgently summons her to the master's office. And she immediately starts in with, no one's going to stop her from leaving. And he's like, I know, I know, we're not. Just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I got and, some stuff to tell you. Yeah. yeah. And he says that he promised to protect her. And I, I love that while he's talking, she's just asking all of these questions. And I feel like, I feel like her in this podcast, <laughs> just questions. <laughs> um. So he thinks Miss Coulter will do her best by Lyra, but he can't be sure. Mm-hmm. So he's giving he gifts her with the alethiometer, 
uh, one of six ever made. And Asriel, or it says that Asriel brought it to the college. I assume at the same time it was in there, tucked away with Pantalaimon mm-hmm. when he delivered her as a baby. Yeah, they didn't. I <laughs> wish maybe they had shown like a little leather pouch or something. But yeah. Yeah. He um, says that Asriel bought it. Yeah. Uh, I love. Or he didn't even mention that when he dropped her off. No. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Lyra Pantalaimon. Oh, and one of six very rare golden very compasses. Rare, very <laughs> precious instruments. Yeah. Be careful. Oh, I just dropped it in the water here. Let, oh, me, let me fish it out. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the dust is gone. It's in this wet ass diaper. <laughs> oh, good. Very good. Um, I love the design of this thing. Yeah. It's so cool. It's uh, it's really beautiful, but it's also really practical, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. It looks like an instrument that's actually been used which is good because this thing has had a very long life and has been in the hands of a lot of different people including murder murderers and other children before lyra yeah so he also she tries to refuse it because she doesn't want to keep any secrets mm-hmm. but they insist and he tells her very wisely choice i don't know why yeah. she did that she loves secrets it's weird (laughs) it's like ah, i got i feel like she's the kind of person that just has this singular focus like i don't have time for this secret bullshit i'm on a (laughs) mission to find roger you know yeah oh wait no she hasn't started that yet but yes that must be what's in her mind i need to find him because we're leaving it's interesting though because i i feel like she is a very curious character so it's weird to me that they tried to show her not just being instantly fascinated with this thing and wanting it for herself right so I don't I don't know why they made that choice. Yeah. Didn't add anything. But whatever. Um so yeah, she goes to find Roger. Guess what? He's gobbled. <laughs> He's gone. He's gone. Um she can't find him anywhere. And then the music during that scene when she's hunting for him is perfect. I yeah. think it's really poignant. Yeah. Without being whiny. Um we see the Egyptians are moving down the river and I noticed that there's a there's a smaller boat with Lord Fa on it, mm-hmm. and that's when I noticed that uh, there's just a lot of conveniently bird shaped demons, just like the like servants. I think we talked about this in the Golden Compass podcast, but a lot of servants animals settle as dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and are there any other rules like that? I don't know. It's not really even a rule. It's just like thing that happens i guess that's subservience because yeah. dogs are very subservient to humans yeah the bird thing i don't know maybe it has something to do with the fact that they're always on the river so it's useful to have a demon that can see very far like birds can like hawks and owls and all that shit yeah <laughs> um so lord fa talks some sense into ma coster ma coster ma costa mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot it's hard to do um about searching london the gobblers have taken 16 children already 16 children you haven't done anything about it yet they feel certain have gone to london yeah and like you said they haven't done anything about it yet (laughs) i want to see the other 15 mothers like what her why her yeah why was was this the tipping point (laughs) 16 was, yeah, just one too many children. Maybe it's because he was so cute. I bet that's what it was. He was really cute. He's probably the cutest of them all, I bet. They're yeah. mixing, um, by the way, they are combining two different characters here, just like they did in the movie. It's Tony 
starts with an M. I can't remember it. But and oh, Billy yeah. Costa. So they're just kind Mark. of squishing them together. They've decided now after 16 kids <laughs> to finally do something about it. Or, you know, it's I've, I saw the party. There's a shit ton of people there. Yeah. Could half go to London and half stay like Ma Costa stays in case mm-hmm. Billy comes back and Lord Fogg goes to London. It's got to be all or nothing. I mean, it's kind of the culture of these people. Like, like they're they're very able and willing to pull up roots and just go somewhere. So yeah, maybe it's not that weird. But yeah, boat living. I don't know, man. Also, seems like a very hard group of people to find (laughs) if you want to. If you're a lost kid trying to find your way back, it's a good point. uh, Everyone knows they're in London, so it's it'll it'll be fine. Um, You know, I didn't think about it that much, just because I know I know the series. I know that. Spoil, London is the right place to go. Yeah. But yeah, why does everybody, why, why does do they know? know that? Yeah. It, I wish they had made that a little bit more clear. Uh, yeah, I don't want to talk anyone out of liking the episode less or more, <laughs> less either. Have, keep your own counsel, goddammit. <laughs> uh, so Lyra and Mrs. Coulter meet in the foyer. She's worried about Roger, uh, Lyra's worried about Roger being missing, rather. And she shushes her and says that gobblers are not something you should talk about out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just adults using the word gobblers is so funny. That's pretty funny. Um, but, it, you know, it makes sense. Children's, it seems like children would be the most likely to have seen other children go missing. Mm-hmm. So the words that they use and what they describe are what they have to go off of. Right. Um. <laughs> Just gobblers is a funny word. Uh, so she she tells Lyra that it's possible that the gobblers have taken Roger and that the police will be of no use. Uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but the Egyptians are of the same opinion that the mm-hmm. state police are worth nothing. Well, yeah, because they hadn't helped. I guess, yeah, I guess maybe that's to be to to their credit. It mm-hmm. seems like maybe they, the Egyptians had tried to get the police involved 16 the, children ago yeah, yeah yeah exactly but they didn't do anything so they got sick of waiting yeah but yeah yeah Miss, mrs coulter is like well we have to take it into our own hands oh, yeah. so you still need to come to london with me wow weird how that works out so good for me yeah and also but mostly me yeah uh and, and also you, but mostly me. in in london kids can disappear like that <laughs> oh that was such that was satisfying a weird, interesting, a little in- incongruous with the rest of the episode uh, editing choice, mm-hmm. but also I loved it. Yeah. It was so good. I thought so, too. I was like, I... Oh, where else have I seen... Oh, they just did it in Watchmen. Oh, they did? Yeah. Gotcha. Jean, uh, Jean Smart's character had a scene where she did a, a very powerful and effective like snap scene. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just seems like an idea they saw somewhere. They're like, oh, we have to get it in here. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Ruth Wilson just did it in conversation. They're like, that's going in the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Very so, ominous. I like that. Yeah. She's super guilty of something. <laughs> the yeah. sh- the show is telling me. Yeah. I, I, I think it's not even a spoiler to say that this person is suspicious AF. Like, Yeah. No. The music, yeah. the way that she knows where, where Roger is. She's <laughs> edited to be suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. The, her freezing Roger out. I mean, she's definitely... Uh, she's definitely involved with this in some way. She's not the gobbler themselves because that's a fox and she's got a like a monkey type thing. But I don't know. Um, 
So Lyra quickly goes back to her room and her last in a last ditch effort, she talks into she just shouts into the alethiometer like it's yeah like it's fucking siri like siri can i trust this woman yeah and of course it doesn't answer because it doesn't work like that i wish why did the master not take five seconds to say you have to move the hand Give that's her how the this fucking thing works. book you have or that but maybe the book would be harder to that hide would be. Yeah. yeah well i mean she does a very shitty job because mrs coulter notices immediately she, or her yeah. monkey does yeah um so she decides that she's out of time, uh, no time to pack, and she <laughs> has to uh, just run with only the alethiometer and pants alignment and the clothes. It gives me so her much bag. anxiety. The idea of leaving for a trip to a bigger city with just nothing, nothing. on you. Oh my god! Just the I goodwill can't. of strangers. I can't like no face wash. No, her, her fingernails Toothbrush. are so dirty. Yeah. She doesn't care about anything. I know. No underwear. No Awful. underwear, nothing. Um, so she makes it to the airship and jumps on. And she immediately tries to bring up Roger and the search for him. And she shushes her. Shush, I cannot say that word. And she stops her from talking about Roger. She says, now is the time for quiet. Uh-huh. And uh, she shifts the alethiometer around in her pocket. And this evil monkey gives her a very pointed look. Stink eye. Yeah. Um, monkey stink eye. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that the airship was public transit. Yeah. I thought she would have her own private. But I don't know. Maybe she's not rich. Yeah, maybe she's just dazzling. Kind of makes it feel more realistic. Yeah. Uh, I really wish this form of transportation had taken off. (laughs) You see what I did there? (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. We maybe should have mentioned that up top. Um, I I feel like some of the reviews had a little bit of trouble with how modern a lot of the technology looks. Like, it's modern, but, you know, one step removed from what you would expect. It's it's less steampunk, for sure, than the movie was, than maybe people were thinking based on the books. I think it's actually a little bit more accurate yeah because that is kind of what this world is it's just hours but you know two steps slightly away from it yeah yeah like electricity is called embaric embaric something energy or something like that huh interesting embaric yeah it's based on the word amber which is a thing later on in the in the series all right um and also you know demons yeah <laughs> that old thing that, that, old, that, that whole... soul separate from you that <laughs> shooting match <you> know. <laughs> all that shit um yeah it's interesting it's very timeless mm-hmm. you know it could be happening in 2019 just in an adjacent world because why not yeah the uh the it's called a gyrocopter in this world that uh-huh. Azrael lands at jordan college in is very much a helicopter under a different name yeah um, oh yeah yeah that's a good point yeah and all the you know the metal is all gray toned instead mm-hmm. of goldish mm. which you which has kind of a steampunk connotation yeah the, the gold tone stuff yeah. it's like a um what's that uh that filter that you put on fo- it's like a sepia tone sort of situation uh, yeah. yeah that steampunk usually has but Mm-hmm. Yeah, silver is very like futuristic. I feel like it is. Yeah, it's very it's modern. Yeah, it feels more modern. Um, I don't know. I I appreciated that choice, even though I know it's a little weird for some people. Yeah, but what choice? To to have the the technology 
look very similar oh, to what we already have. Just gotcha. You know, people have a problem with off. that. Yeah. Hmm. Of course, yeah. people have a problem with anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's nothing against people that do have a problem with it. I just, I personally appreciate the choice. I it it matches my vision of the books a little bit better. Yeah. But I also revisited them very recently with all of my my vast years of adult <laughs> knowledge. So maybe that makes it feel different. I don't know. Yeah. Um so Lyra notices the Egyptian boats moving down the river and uh we see Roger banging around in the back of what is certainly an unmarked car. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh he yeah i don't know that's where we end it that's 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 all yep it was a good dramatic kind of heartbreaking because the kid is so cute ending to the episode yeah Yeah. um do you have any other thoughts about the episode or you want to move into the spoilers which we've been so anxious to talk about um i appreciate (laughs) even though it it ends up being depicted basically as Lyra running across the campus like six different times. I appreciate that she, she has a lot of her own agency here. Mm -hmm. Like she is the one moving for the most part, her own story forward. Yeah. Just by being very impulsive and asking questions and wanting to know everything. Right. Stick your nose and everything. Yeah. Um, She's a little bit of a brat, but like whether you like her or hate her, she does care about, quote unquote small people like yeah. servants and people who aren't the most powerful people in the world. Yeah. And she yeah. Has, she moves her story forward. Yeah. She's living out her destiny without her knowledge. Accurate. Um she I feel like she's a little bit less of a brat than she was in the books. You think so? Yeah. I okay. feel like she told a lot more outlandish stories. <laughs> and they kind of tone that down. Yeah. I wonder if that might become. Commission podcasts are an awesome feature here at Bald Move that allows you, the individual listener, to decide what we talk about for a single podcast. The community loves it because it often leads to fun fan favorite films and TV shows that we've overlooked getting the coverage they deserve. And we love it because we're constantly exposed to great stuff that's not even on our radar. The way it works is simple. You go to support.baldmove.com and you click on commissions. Then you pay the flat rate for the commission and tell us what two-ish hours of content you'd like us to make podcasts on. Then we'll contact you for details, advanced feedback, and any dedications you'd like to make. Then we watch the thing, discuss the thing, turn it into a podcast, and pump it right into your ears. We get consistently great feedback on how much our commissioners love their podcast and they make great gifts for the dedicated Bald Move fan in your life. And who knows, that dedicated fan could even be you. Treat yourself. Check out support.baldmove.com for more info. Since the dawn of time, we've been putting clothes on our back that identify us with our people, our group, our tribe. And why Bald Move might be one of the smallest, weirdest tribes out there, transcending all concepts of border, class, culture, and creed, we still have respect for the old ways. At support.baldmove.com, you can get t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more. We have something for every one of our podcasts, or just wear the four pips of the Bald Move logo with pride. 
Bald Move merch beats running around naked, and they make a great gift for the Bald Move fan in your life. Join our tribe. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click on merch to start shopping. Now let's get into feedback. Okay. Actually, yeah, sure. is what we've got. Before we get to the spoilers, let's. We've got a couple of pieces of feedback already. If you want to send feedback, you can do so at tv at baldmove.com. You can also go on the forums.baldmove.com to discuss the episode with fellow fans and us. Be honest, but be nice. Yes. <laughs> I want requests. <laughs> uh, so our first piece of feedback is from Beth, who sent this in before the episode aired. Hmm. Uh, Beth says, I wanted to pick up on something Alexis said in the Golden Compass coverage about dust basically being imagination. I think that's Mm. such an interesting concept. Uh, Given the Adam and Eve story, I've always thought of dust as actually being knowledge given. Wait. I've actually... uh, Jesus. (laughs) I've always thought of dust as being actually knowledge given that's what the tree is called, that the apple comes from. Imagination, of course, is such a big part of knowledge. You needed to ask the questions before you set about answering them. Knowledge can also be the enemy of dogma and organized religion, dangerous too in the wrong hands, especially if they seek to control who has it and when. I often thought the fact dust sticks more as you age is because of that knowledge of self you get, the self-consciousness and firmer beliefs that are harder to shake. I would would agree with that. Um, I think I probably worded it poorly. I think what I meant is that dust is related to imagination Uh in the sense that Whenever a person is cut off from their demon, they are also cut off from dust and they lose that, you know, that spark of life, that kind of that creativity, that imagination, Mm -hmm. which is what makes me think that the two things are linked Hmm. in some way. I I don't know that dust is, is necessarily imagination. I would agree that it maybe has something to do with just maturity and... yeah knowledge yes yeah it's a hard thing to uh yeah i mean it's a hard thing to wrap your mind around what dust actually is Mm -hmm. because you would think that children would get it more because it's a special thing and children are special yeah that's the thing it's not i don't think it's made very clear here but children it's not like they don't have any dust it's that it doesn't settle on them. So it is still moving through them. It's still part of them oh. because of their demons. So it's more. But it's just not sticking to them yet. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. Especially when you think of it as actual dust. Yeah. And also when you think about kids are more imaginative than adults. Yeah. It's kind of the, you know, the common knowledge is what you think is that kids have much more active imaginations than adults do. Yeah. Um, thank you, Beth. The second piece of feedback we have is from Brian. Um, Brian says, I'm so pumped that y'all are giving his dark materials some bald move coverage. This is one of my favorites. Um, I'll start off with a little background on my experience with the series and what it means to me. I first read the trilogy around seventh or eighth grade. I grew up in a conservative Christian family family, and I'm guessing my parents would not have approved of this series, but I somehow got it past them. The series became one of the first blocks in the path that led me away from religion, so it will always have a special place in my heart. That is nice. nice. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't it weird to think about, just as as an aside, people 
are having a lot more coming out of religion stories. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's this moment of enlightenment where you discover religion or we get baptized or something like that. But people are having these awakenings where they exit a conservative religion, kind of mostly. Reverse baptism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a reverse knowledge baptism. Oh, no. Dust. Yeah. Ah, the dust is settling. So good for you. I hope you got. Oh, what do people give each other? Gift cards? Money? Hope you got, you know, a special uh, outfit to wear for your your anti-baptism. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, so Brian continues, there was a kind of watershed moment for me when reading the Amber Spyglass, which is the third book, mm-hmm. when I thought to myself regarding religion, what if somebody made up all of this and I'm just following along because that's what people have always done? It really blew my 13-year-old mind and stuck with me as I deconverted for 10 or so years. Holy shit. Anyway, I'll get to my thoughts on the first episode now. (laughs) 10 years. That sounds like it was a really painful experience. It does, yeah. I hope you're happier now and better for it. Yeah, and I hope that your relationship with your parents and your family is still good despite that severing. Yeah, It's, it's, it's hard on a family and a social circle it can be yeah um so brian's thoughts on the episode are it's strange to be watching a show not rated mature on hbo that isn't (laughs) sesame street but i think this will be a good one for me to watch with my wife she's a little bit more sensitive she isn't a fan of the ultra violence or sexual language that tends to be a part of a lot of the good hbo shit so i'm having a, a more tame show will be a nice change um yeah hopefully there's just regular violence and regular sex (laughs) (laughs) As far uh, to my knowledge, at least in the original trilogy, there mm. is no sex. There, it gets pretty heinous in the second trilogy. There yeah. are trigger warnings that are going to need to be ah. given. It's bad. Right. I know that you, Cecily, are just beginning La Belle uh-huh. Sauvage. Uh, trigger warning: there is there is a rape ah. toward the end of that book. Why? It's not, oh, why? Oh, why? Always. <laughs> it isn't graphically depicted, but. It's there. It's it happens. Yeah, that's enough. and there is there is a graphic <laughs> sexual assault in the second book. So cool, 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 cool. Uh, right up HBO's alley. <laughs> so I don't, I, I don't think they'll be. Also, we got boreal snakes to deal with. <laughs> There's one. I'm gonna keep a count. <laughs> you know what? It's funny that you say that because. It is really funny that you say that. I just remembered a thing <laughs> what? from the third book. Oh, man. Mrs. Uh, Coulter and that snake. What? What? Not the way I'm you're confused. thinking, but also <laughs> not not the way you're thinking. <laughs> there's some like, uh, there's some uh, interesting hand things happening with that Jesus. snake. I don't, I'm I so excited to it, read more yeah, books. <laughs> crazy. Uh, Anywho. Yeah, maybe this podcast isn't for your wife. We're <laughs> I, I we swear real. a lot. I hope that's okay. <laughs> of course it's fucking okay. <laughs> okay. Uh Brian says the intro is giving me some Westworld vibes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that. You can see that. Yeah. Um, and I'm really digging how the Egyptians are being portrayed. My reading after the first episode, what if I went back through this episode and just bleeps every time we said Egyptian? It'd be <laughs> hilarious. It would be pretty funny. <laughs> I'll think about it. Uh, my reading after the first episode is that they are more of a socioeconomic class rather than race, which seems less exploitative of their real life analog and a great opportunity to add some diversity to the cast. Hopefully the coming of age ceremony that we see is just the start of a closer look at the culture and traditions of this group. 
They, um, I have seen that Daphne Keene has a reduced shooting schedule, mm. so we will be seeing a lot more of the secondary and tertiary characters in this series, oh. so we could, we could get to see more of that, and hopefully it's not just Azrael in the North, yeah. cutting to Azrael in the North a, th- a thousand times, like that stupid movie that we watched. <laughs> yeah, though, Stalmaria, I can... Yeah, I just, I I just want to hear her talk. Honestly, yeah. Uh, Helen McCrory, I could just I could listen to her read anything and yeah. fall in love with her just based on her voice. Like I listened to okay, so I did this thing where I listened to the audiobook version of this during the day, mm-hmm. and then I would at night before bed I would reread the same chapters or whatever I went through. Interesting. So that way, you know, more of it would stick. Okay. Uh, you know, because sometimes when I'm listening, I'll kind of tune out sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I, I just really wanted, I knew there was a lot to grasp here, so I really wanted it to stick. And Philip Pullman did the narration on the audiobook, which is spectacular. I was glad to read that. Um, he's, he's a really great speaker as well. Mm-hmm. But she could narrate this book too, and I'd be down for that. I would also be down for that. That was a... So he was the narrator, but it was also a full cast production, right? Yeah. Okay. For yeah. the voices and everything. Because I, I, that's that's how I listened or ingested the book again <laughs> yeah. as an adult. I was listening to it. Um, sh- where did Brian leave off? James McAvoy is really letting everyone know up front that Lord Asriel <laughs> is a giant gaping asshole. <laughs> yes. It's funny that you say that because he's more charismatic here oh than he God. is in the books. Like, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. He says, I felt so bad for Lyra when he was dismissing her from the airship. And what kind of idiot tastes the powder that has just been described as probably poison? He may be a learned scholar. And then you like, damn. Slightly spit it out. You spit it out. It's It's fine. It's fine. And then he immediately wipes his nose. So put it in a different mucus point. What the fuck? Wonderful. Just so good. It's like, has he developed a. a, Maybe that's why he was so sweaty. An immunity to iocane powder? Yeah, you're right. Uh, no, definitely not Iocane. Okay. <laughs> Princess dies. Bride reference, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, and finally, Brian says, I initially felt like the relationship between Lyra and Miss Coulter was rushed and the urge for Lyra to go away with her was unbelievable. But after more consideration, I'm reading it as Mrs. Coulter being super magnetic and intoxicating and also Lyra being desperate to get away to the North. But I'm not sure if knowledge of the characters is coloring that interpretation. interpretation rather. I think they do spend a lot of time early in the episode focusing on how desperate Lyra is for just adventure and yes. getting away and also specifically getting away to the north. Like, she begs Azrael to take her. So, of course, when another opportunity comes around, she's not going to question it too much. Yeah. She's 12 years old. She's got a little bit of a wild hair in her. Yeah. I'm <laughs> not sure. Streak. Yeah, I'm not sure if everyone feels this way or yeah. if I, and I, I certainly know that you did this, <laughs> um, but when you're a kid, just dream of going to a different place. Oh. Yeah, you grew up in Kentucky, and I grew up in rural in rural Indiana, mm-hmm. and it's just all I could do uh, to just dream about doing something more interesting. And I wonder if people who live in exciting cities like that have that same want or need, or if just all kids feel it that way. Yeah, at some point. maybe you just always want something different. Yeah, whatever that ends up being. I I loved Portal Fantasy as a yeah. kid. I I don't really like chronicles of narnia that much now yeah but the first time i read them i was just at the right age it was right around the time that i read these two i think i might have 
read these right after Narnia because I was desperate for more Portal <laughs> Fantasy. <laughs> you turned into a Christian and then needed to instantly deconvert. <laughs> I didn't even... Such a ding dong. I didn't even realize how much Christian stuff was yeah. in the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to see a meeting of... Holy shit, isn't the lion's name in Chronicles of Narnia Asriel? It's Aslan. Aslan. Close enough. Yeah. Aslan. 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 I've never actually heard it out loud is the huh. problem. A-S-L-A-N. That's how it's Do you ever watch the movie? You know, It's decent. Tilda Swinton is the white witch. I know Tilda Swinton is the white witch. Yeah, she's great in any kind of creepy role. Yeah, I don't remember if it was good or not. Anyway... We have digressed enough to lead us right into the spoiler Turkish section. Turkish delight is trash. Sorry, go on. <laughs> uh, so now we're going to talk about just some light book spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, not get too far uh, ahead of ourselves here. We'll have, we'll have plenty of spoiler sections. We'll do this for every podcast. I'm probably forgetting things, but I just wrote down a few things here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really interesting that they're showing us the flood itself how they got there which is from the prequels uh which is why which is one of the also one of the reasons why i asked the question like do you need these cue card things at the beginning Mm -hmm. because you needed to show the flood to explain how lyra got there and you did it effectively and it wasn't a spoiler for anything um and Aaron doesn't know. He doesn't know the book. Mm-hmm. He didn't watch the movie. So he's watching this along with him is helping keeping or is helping me stay pure. Mm-hmm. So I know what is knowledge that I have. Right. And what is knowledge that nobody has. And I was asking him at the very, very beginning, like, does he seem like, is he coming across as her father mm-hmm. in a way? And he's like, what? No, is he? And I was like, I was like, and then the next scene they talk about how he's his uncle. So I was able to save myself from that yeah. one. But, <laughs> um, I don't know. Very curious. I actually don't know the answer to this. So it's not a spoiler thing. Well, I, I will say that in the book, it is not Azriel who delivers Lyra to the college. It's mm. Malcolm Polstead, who's a different character entirely. Um, I guess I understand the decision to not have that person do it. Mm-hmm. But also, did you did you really need to show her coming to the college? Like, right? You could have just established. You could have used those screen time minutes to show it in some other way. Yeah, especially. I mean, probably would have been cheaper too. Exactly. Have Kevin Lannister as a librarian in his first scene with her. Like, now I know your parents died and you left here. You know, there's mm-hmm. or Roger saying, "Well, we're both orphans," and you know, something like that would have worked. Yeah. Um. So the, I just, they're doing two things, but they're trying me, to cram all of this, you know, yeah. exposition and story in here and they're moving. People said it's too slow, but I think they're moving at like a breakneck pace. She's on the airship to London in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it is really fast. Then you say that they're going to do, they've said so they've already been greenlit for a second season. Mm-hmm. Didn't you say that they were going to do uh, only two seasons? Yeah. As far as I know, it's just two seasons, mm-hmm. but it will be all three books. Hmm. Which is interesting. Um, I I was gonna say earlier though the fact that they showed the the flood at the beginning makes me think that maybe they're trying to intimate that more of those books will be in the show, like more references to the events in those books. 
because hmm. I really I don't see any other reason why that needed to be there. Yeah. Not that I'm hung up on it or anything. <laughs> I just, yeah, <laughs> I just picked up the first La Belle Sauvage book yeah. from the library. I think the series is called The Book of Dust. Okay. Yeah. Um. I you said that that book is a prequel to all of the events of mm-hmm. this trilogy. Do you think it would be spoilery for me to read that information? No. I mean, you already know a lot of the basics. You know who Mrs. Coulter is. Mm-hmm. You know um, Asriel's whole deal. Like, it would only be a spoiler if you hadn't read the first book already. Okay. But if you have at least read The Golden Compass, then it's I would say it's okay to go ahead and read La Belle Sauvage. Okay. Because it really it deals more with the secret society of scholarship that's kind of behind the colleges that's sort of spying against the magisterium a little bit it Mm -hmm. goes way more into those politics i would say actually you guys couldn't see it but i was just on the carpet trying to remember (laughs) (laughs) the name of a genre film noir it's like a fantasy film noir a little bit yeah so there's there's detective work with like malcolm polstead you see him as a kid in the first book of that series and then he's an adult later on when lyra is also an adult Hmm. but yeah it's much more like there's spy work and detective work and hunting down criminals that kind of thing more so than lyra fulfilling her destiny which is the original trilogy it's it you know it, it is it's like the same series written by someone whose tastes have changed since the last books that he wrote, which is appropriate. <laughs> yeah. I feel, you know, people grow and mature. Yeah. You're allowed to change your mind. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I don't appreciate the rate, but you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. I also, yeah. The other thing that I was thinking is I wish I, they desperately need more demon screen time. <laughs> You just want to see cute animals. Oh, that's true. But I mean, (laughs) I think that Mrs. Coulter's monkey is Mm -hmm. such an important part of her as a character. Like, she's got this shiny surface and he's, it's got this malice to it. And you know, it occurs to me now that, is that the only demon that doesn't talk? No, there are, I would say that the more complicated the relationship between people and their demons, Mm. the less those demons speak. Hmm. So that is, that's been my experience with the series so far. Yeah. Um, and also, well, I say that, but I guess it's more, the more complicated the relationship the person is with themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, we talked about that. We touched on this just so a little definitely. bit in the Golden Compass podcast, but yeah, it's such, it's such an interesting, like physical manifestation of what I assume could be like mental illnesses and true feelings it's hard to i don't know it's it's hard to understand the the rules there yeah speaking of speaking of that new trilogy they go into that a lot more oh really yeah they're yeah there's one character who is a very bad person and pretty unbalanced and he like beats his demon and Ugh. treats her really terribly Oof. yikes at least partially because of the form that she settled in makes him an outcast kind of immediately because it's such a wild form that you never see 
it's a hyena in the middle of England. Like, oh. Yeah. Jeez. It's rough. He's I feel also like... a rapist. But... <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You are an evil person. Yep. I feel yep, like yep, I yep, would yep. hate myself that much. Find <laughs> a demon. Ah. And there's some stuff with Lyra and Pan too hmm. in the second book. That has right. to do with events that happen in the second book of the original trilogy, which I I think we will begin seeing in the second um, season of the show. Huh. I'm try- I'm being so vague right now. Yeah. I don't want to s- spoil anything too far. I know this is the spoiler section, <laughs> but like, damn, I know some spoilers. Yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> um, yeah. Keep it to, keep it to yourself for right now. <laughs> I am. I'm just. I'm. I'm teasing. Um, the other thing I've written down here is that they aged down Tony Costa. Yeah. So you know, in the previous, I think in the book, I don't know if they ever say it, but he's implied to be a capable adult, and I feel like he's gonna have a bigger part in this story. He might yeah. because they made him roughly Lyra aged. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where he's gonna go. What what adventure he's gonna be? But I'm calling it. <laughs> I'm just remembering now, and we talked about this earlier. And I think I just showed my entire ass. Um, the Moncosta does stay behind. Does she in the books? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, she does. She does because. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it! That's <laughs> me remembering a spoiler. <laughs> I stopped myself. You're welcome. <laughs> I hope you're happy. I am. I'm very happy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's all I've got. Do you have anything? Any spoilery book things that <laughs> that aren't too spoilery? Yeah, I I'm trying to think of what I can say that has happened so far in the book that is different from the episode that we just watched um that the the whistling gobbler thing is a really interesting mechanic to me that's not actually in the book but yeah but it makes sense to me like it almost feels like it could have been in the book it's very it's of the world yeah exactly but i mean just like yeah like i said the whisper of children and what sticks around and god what an intimidating figure as far as i can remember the gobblers are just kind of a the 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 people on the ground are just hired thugs basically kidnapping children but here it's shown mostly as this guy with the creepy ass fox demon yeah and i like that i like that they're not actually making mrs coulter do it herself because it just seems so unbelievable that she would do any of that herself she i could see her, get her hands dirty going yeah. to ballvanger and you know just inter- interacting with the children and being part of that everything that's going on there is that this, makes sense is this too much of a spoiler is no this okay okay i don't think so it's just first book stuff um if you're in the spoiler section then this is your bad <laughs> <laughs> it's on you whatever inf- whatever information you hear yeah so she yeah i'm just really glad that they didn't do that anymore mm-hmm. but they didn't show her a demon enough for us to have recognized it in the alleyway so <laughs> They could have gotten away with it. It's uh, like the only monkey in the series, though. So, it's not the only one. It is. Oh, that I 
can recall. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got. I think that's all I have too. Cool. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. This was a long podcast, but there was so much to talk about in the first episode. And uh, we'll be doing this every week. And if you want to, again, if you want to send in feedback, you can do so at tv at baldmove.com or forums.baldmove.com and rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah. Yeah, do that. Only say nice things, though. (laughs) Well, okay, listen, (laughs) listen. Be honest, but be nice. Yes. Um, But until next week, I'm Cecily. I'm Lexus. 